My name is David and I'm a member of the 8am congregation at St Matthew's. It's my great privilege to be able to read a passage from John chapter 3 verses 16 to 21 which speaks of God's plan of salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. Welcome. Great to be back with you for this Good News Sunday. And for those who don't know me, I'm Bruce Clark. And as Nathan said at the very start of the service, today is Good News Sunday. I know it's COVID-19. It is winter. It's been wet and windy all week. But today's about having our hearts warmed by the great news of the gospel, as well as hearing some wonderful stories that will motivate us in wanting to serve Jesus. And to do that today, what I want to do is speak for a shorter period than normal on the great news of the gospel, and then transition to hear three wonderful stories from members of our church about how this gospel is saving people, it's transforming people, as well as reaching people in this COVID-19 era. And the verse that I want to speak on today is probably the most famous verse of scripture in the whole world. It's John chapter 3, verse 16. And this verse is so well loved by Christians. In fact, you'll sometimes see just that word description, John 3, 16, in sporting venues being hung up all around the world. Here it is on the face of an American football player, Tim Tebow, who used to wear this Bible verse on his face while he was playing. Such was his love for it and his desire for people to read it. Now, what does the verse say? Well, it's a great verse well known by people. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And I think it's famous and so well loved because in the most simple and yet profound way, it summarizes the good news of the gospel in just 26 words. And so what I'm going to do is take us through those 26 words and make some reflections on them. And then I'm going to hand over to three of our members who are going to share their stories about how this gospel is saving, transforming and reaching people. But firstly, let's have a look at the first few words. For God so loved the world. The term good news comes from a Greek word that is translated as gospel in our English versions. And when you look at this word in the original uh, language, it basically meant good tidings or good announcement. 
And it was a word used in the ancient world that referred to an announcement of a happy or a significant event. And the early church took this word and applied it to the news about Jesus. They said, we've got a happy, a significant event that's taken place. And the gospel was all about announcing his birth, his life, his death and his resurrection over death. It was great news. And this gospel, this announcement, it literally is the foundation of what the church has believed through the ages. And the vision of our church at St Matthews is that we will grow God's church through this gospel. And the good news is this, as we see at the start of this verse, God loves the world. For God so loved the world. And what's significant in this verse is not that God loves. I mean, we know that God is love. It's who he loves. And what John tells us is that he loves the world. And when you read John's gospel, the world is a description of humanity in rebellion against God. In fact, you read on just a few verses after John 3.16, you get to John 3.19, and it says this, Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. And what John is saying here is the world is a place that's rejected God. Light came into it, but the darkness rejected it. And the good news is God loves this world, this world of rebellion, of broken people, of people who are apathetic when it comes to believing in God, who turn their back on God. God loves this world. And importantly, he loves me and he loves you. And in spite of how we might have lived or treated God or believed in God or failed to live for God, he still loves us. Let me stop and ask us an important pastoral question. How would you change if you really knew that God actually deeply loved you? I mean, if in the depths of your heart, you actually knew that God was for you. You see, this is a truth that can revolutionise your life. To know that we're deeply loved and accepted, I think, is one of the most important needs that we have as people. That we don't have to chase approval because we know God loves us, because we're already approved by him. That we don't need to hold on tight in our lives to everything and be in control of everything in every situation. Because we actually know that God's in control and he loves me. And he will work that out for my good is what Romans 8.28 says. That we don't need to hold on to bitterness and resentment that can often just flavour our lives in dark ways. Because God's love has actually replaced the pain that can consume us. And you see, this is why the gospel is good news. God loves me and he loves you. But secondly, John goes on to say this. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And God gave his son, Jesus, not just any son. He gave us his unique son, his one and only son. And Jesus is God and he bears the very essence of God. You see, there are not many ways to God. There is but one way to God. And it's through his son, Jesus. And I know there are many uh, religions and there's many spiritualities in the world. But if we're to be honest, they are all just human attempts to try and find God. But God in his mercy and his grace has actually revealed himself to us by sending his son into the world. His only son, his one and only son, and it's through his one and only son, Jesus, that we come to know God. 
And when you know Jesus, you actually know the living God. And when you receive Jesus, you receive the very fullness of God into your life. Because Jesus bears the very essence of God in his body and person. And this is why we say the gospel is good news. It is great news. Because when you understand it, you get the clarity that you need to the question of who is God. And we can know God with certainty and confidence because his son, Jesus, has revealed God to us. The verse goes on to say that whoever believes in him. The third reason the gospel is good news is because it's for everyone who believes. In other, one, in other words, it's for whoever. It's for anyone and everyone. And you think with me about the people who came to Jesus in his ministry on earth. There's such a rich variety of the types of people, the everyone, the anyone. There was Joseph of Arimathea, rich. Nicodemus, religious. Mary Magdalene, broken. And the list just goes on and on. And you see this so very poignantly when you see the early church and the way they gathered together. I'm going to read for us a verse from Acts chapter 13. And it's profound in its description of the early church. And what you see here with the early church is leaders who are so diverse, but they are gathered together in worship. Acts chapter 13, verse 1 to 2. Let me read it to you. Now, in the church in Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who'd been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. Acts 13, verse 1 to 2. Now think with me about those leaders that were praying and worshipping together. You've got Barnabas. He was from headquarters. He's a Jew, a Levite from Cyprus whom the apostles called Barnabas because he was the son of encouragement. I imagine him as this very warm pastoral leader. You could say he was the insider, but then you've got Simeon called Niger, most likely because he was a dark skinned at North African. And it's quite possibly he was the Simeon who helped Jesus carry his cross. And then you've got Lucius also from Cyrene and also of African descent. But next to him, you had Mannion. And the text tells us that he was brought up with Herod. And when it says he was brought up with Herod, it means he was brought up with the foster brother of Herod, as the foster brother of Herod, and most likely grew up in the royal palace with Herod. And so he's a complete outsider, a friend and legal relative to the killer of John the Baptist. And lastly, you've got Saul, the Pharisee, the great persecutor of the church, who formerly despised non-Jews and Christians and had put Christians to death. And here they all are together, racially, economically, spiritually, socially, as diverse a group as you could ever find. But they're now one in Christ. They are one in the spirit and they are praying and fasting and seeking the kingdom together. And you see, this is the good news of the gospel. Anyone and everyone can come and have their sins forgiven and receive eternal life from Jesus Christ. And my own experience as a pastor is exactly the same. I've seen people come to Christ from all walks of life, from all cultures in life, from all religious backgrounds in life, because the gospel is for anyone and everyone, rich and poor, black and white, young and old. God loves us all. And the reason it's for anyone and everyone is because of what Romans 3, 23, verse 24 says. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 
and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. The gospel is for everyone. But lastly, this verse finishes by saying, and they shall not perish, but have eternal life. And the reality, very sobering reality under God is that people will perish. There will be people who perish. There is a heaven, the scriptures proclaim, but there is also a hell. And the gospel announces the good news about how each and every person can be reconciled with God and receive eternal life and not perish and not face hell. You see, in life, actions have consequences. I think it's one of the most important lessons that we've got to learn in life. It's what we teach our kids. What we do and how we live matters. And this isn't just true of life with each other. It's also in relationship with God. And people sometimes ask me, um, will God really judge people? And the answer is yes. Will God really send people to hell? And the answer is yes. In fact, Jesus spoke more about hell than anyone else. But the good news is this. God in his love for us doesn't want this to happen. And that's why he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to us, because he loves us so much. And Jesus has died on the cross to take the punishment for our sins. And because of that, we can have eternal life if we come to him and put our belief in him. And he gives to us as a gift eternal life. And it's not just some pie in the sky thinking. This is a reality based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And there is a new heaven and a new earth that is coming when Jesus returns. And he will take everyone who trusts and follow him to be with him. It is the great news of the gospel. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And when you understand this news, when you receive this good news, when you believe it, when you take it in, you are saved and you're transformed and you want it to reach others because it is the good news of God. And to illustrate how this good news saves people and transforms people and reaches people, we've invited a few people to tell their story on this Good News Sunday week. And the first person I'd like to introduce is a lovely young adult woman from our night service, Zara, who's been a Christian just a year. And Zara joined us uh, just over 12 months ago. And here's her story of her coming to faith and being saved by God. Hey guys, it's Zara. If you don't know me, I joined the loving family of St. Matt's about a year ago now. And I think after about three services, I became a Christian. So today I'm just going to quickly talk about my journey of faith and how coming to know God has saved me and my life. So who I am now and my life now is completely different to who I was a year ago without Christ. To be completely honest, uh, those 17 years of my life, I was pretty broken pretty unhappy and lost. I think I was just holding on to past traumas and really questioning the purpose of life. But just as I was about to give up, God left the 99 to find me. And looking back on it, it was those seasons of solitude and I guess chronic emptiness that ultimately opened my heart to God. 
um, because yeah, last year I happened to be in hospital and I was just scrolling through Pinterest and I came across Bible verses. Um, like, when I go through dark waters, I'll be with you and I love you with an everlasting love. And at the time, I just remember thinking, if this is true, I need to find out more. So with the help of a best friend, I started reading the Bible and I literally fell in love with it. I began to feed off it and I started going to church and within, I think, the space of three weeks, I decided that I had to commit my life to Christ. And ever since doing that, God, through his spirit, has just constantly been healing, renewing and transforming my heart and my mind in ways that I never saw possible. You know, God's word and his promises are, the, are my hope, my light and my strength. The reason I literally live and breathe every day. Jesus really is the light of the world and communion and fellowship with him has saved me from so much darkness and I guess filled the Jesus-shaped hole in my heart. Um, as it says in Nehemiah, the joy of the Lord really is my strength. And I think it's a massive testament to God that I'm still here today because God and his relentless pursuit of me has saved my life in ways that I, I can't even articulate. But yeah, praise to God. Well, I hope that's encouraged you. Hearing from Zara, I was personally just very touched to see the way God's been at work in her life. But I've got another great story to share with you now. This man's name is Peter and he comes from our 10 o'clock service. And I remember meeting Peter at the start of the year and he was at that point where he knew things just had to change. And as we've read the Bible together, as he's taken hold of the gospel and who he is in Christ, he's been totally transformed. Let's have a listen to Pete's story. G'day, I'm Peter Anthony. I'm a member of the 10am service here at St Matt's. I, I love this community. And the reason I'm talking to you today is about transformation and about the powerful transformation that took place in my life but I really understood John 8.32 when Jesus said to his disciples, then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. I was an addict pretty much my entire life until the beginning of last year. The addiction started when I was about 14 years old and it destroyed every important relationship in my life. All the romantic relationships, it destroyed my marriage, it meant that I was um, hanging around some very toxic people. It strained the relationship I had with, with both of my children. I, I lived a, a, very, a very shallow existence. And in fact, one of my partners or ex-partners said it well when she said, Peter, when I scratch below your surface, all I get is more surface. Uh, I thought I tried everything. Uh, I tried all the self-help books. I tried walking on fire with Tony Robbins. I tried spending two weeks at a Buddhist monastery uh, in Bhutan. Even tried the addiction workshop down at uh, South Pacific here in Curl Curl. Uh, I tried everything except the real thing, which was getting a better relationship with Christ. And when I think about that, I think about 
uh, Sean Connery, his character in The Untouchables, when he said, it's a bit like bringing a knife to a gunfight and trying to fight addiction with anything else but Jesus is just like just like uh, doing that. Uh, to tell you the truth, I thought my addiction was part of being a real man. I thought I was a tough guy, a real man, a rugby player, a wolf bar regular. But in fact, I was a coward. Um, I, was, I was running away from the truth uh, for almost my entire life. And I like what Brene Brown said about courage when she said, uh, courage is about telling the story of who you are with your whole heart. Uh, which is what I hope I'm doing with you today. Now, when I think about John 8.32, uh, the truth will set you free, there's really two parts to that in, in my mind. And I'm not a theologian or a pastor by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, it's the truth part and the freedom part. Uh, and when I think of the truth part, um, I think uh, the truth is about who you are in Christ or, or who I am in Christ. And the more I understood that truth and the more I understood that relationship, the more free I was um, from, from addiction. And in fact, you can't do it without him. You can't do anything important in your life, I believe, without him. And you certainly can't kill yourself of an addiction uh, without him. Uh, I, I was living a lie. Um, I used to have this phrase to myself and my friends saying I was a, I was a small C Christian. Uh, which was which is my phony way of saying I didn't have the courage really to face up to the fact of of what I really needed to um, to face up to in my life. I was I was like a double agent, if you like, like one of those one of those spies from a different country pretending he was um, he was someone else. Uh, fortunately for uh, for me, last year uh, I contracted cancer. I had both stomach cancer and prostate cancer. Originally. The doctors thought that it uh, was metastasizing and it, it could have been terminal. And uh, as anyone facing illnesses like that, um, it does force you to really uh, accept the truth and look at your life a lot more closely. And that forced me into a much uh, closer and deeper uh, relationship with Christ and, and, and this truth. And when I think about relationships, I think, well, the quality of your life is the quality of your relationships, the quality of your friendships and, and your personal and romantic relationships. And the quality of my life has definitely expanded and improved as I deepened my relationship with Jesus because he is the most important relationship in my life now. And I bring him into my life every day. I wake up in the morning um, meditating to him. I sing songs to him during the day. And like any other relationship, I attempt to bring him into every part of my life. Now, the second part to this is the freedom part, um, and it is a freedom. It's it's uh, it's a freedom in, in a couple of ways. It's it's a freedom uh, from addiction. It's a freedom from lies. It's a freedom from um, living a life other than than being with him. Uh, it's a it's a freedom to understand that that God is my father and he does love me and I'm worthy of that love. And it's, it's a freedom to enter the kingdom of God and dwell in that kingdom and, and feel that glory and majesty of, of him being in your life. And it's free to sing like I love doing with David on, on Sunday mornings, singing things like, here I am to bow down, here I am to worship, here I am to know that you're my God. Now, 
I think these COVID times make us all afraid. Uh, and I know uh, when I'm afraid, I'm much more likely to turn to the devil and to turn to evil ways. And I think these COVID times make us all afraid in different ways. And I also believe that we're all addicts in our own ways. We could be shopping addicts, we could be worry addicts, we could be porn addicts, we could be work addicts. We've all got our own our own types of addictions. And uh, one thought I'd, I'd like to leave you with uh, here is that uh, when Jesus said the truth will set you free, he didn't say it maybe set you free, it will possibly set you free, it will potentially set you free. He said the truth will set you free. And like any other promise he makes, uh, he always delivers when you do your peace. He does his peace uh, in abundance uh, back uh, in your life. So I'd encourage you, if you have an addiction of any, any type at all, to really think about um, what Jesus is offering uh, us here. And I can say definitely in my life that the truth will set you free. Well, I hope you're encouraged by Peter's story. It's just such a great reminder that the gospel has a power to transform us no matter what the circumstances we find us in. That's the wonderful thing about this good news. And it's such good news. We wanted to reach others. And that leads me to my third story that we're going to share today. It's from a lady called Valerie Clark. Now, she's no relation of mine uh, as a Clark. She's actually Nathan Campbell's grandmother. And you could call her an online church member. And she's been taking the opportunity through online church to share the services with those she knows around her. And it's a great story of how the gospel is not just saving and transforming people, but it's actually reaching people as well. And so have a listen and be encouraged. My name's Val Clark and I live at Narrabeen and I've been tuned in to St Matt's um, service 5pm uh, over the period of our isolation since uh, COVID began. Um, I have a passion for seeing people saved. I've prayed for my family uh, for many years and God has worked miracles. Coming out of a non-Christian family, I saw uh, most of my family saved through the time, some right at the, the death end, but uh, they were saved. And I believe the love of Jesus is for everyone and he wants them all brought into the kingdom. So uh, I started praying uh, many, many years ago. I'd uh, walk around my avenue every morning at seven and pray for my street. Over the last months, I'm not uh, able to get around physically like I did. Um, so I've just um, enjoyed having this more freedom at home and time to be able to pray. And so um, I've started praying for the people that are close by me and I've invited them in to come to the service on a uh, Sunday night. Um, a few have come, a few keep saying no thanks, uh, not interested, but uh, I'm not giving up on them because Jesus never gave up on us and he didn't give up on me when I was rebelling. So um, the thing is, we just keep hanging in there and, and be like the persistent widow, uh, keep praying. And so I have a few now that come every uh, Sunday night. They uh, come and uh, we enjoy the time together. And one of my friends, the close neighbour, uh, 
wants to keep this service up when COVID's over. We share the word over a glass of wine after the service and uh, enjoy fellowship and a meal together. And I think that's what church is all about, uh, encouraging people to come into a deeper knowledge of God's love. And that's what we get through the sermons and through the music. uh, We feel the presence. We certainly feel Jesus with us on a Sunday when we're fellowshipping together. So can I encourage others out there that maybe watch it themselves to think about those around them that uh, don't know Jesus, but they need to know him. And uh, go and ask them. You might get knocked back. My very good neighbour, who I'm very fond of, keeps really knocking me down. But I know she'll come one day and uh, I'm sure she'll be there uh, in the kingdom in that wonderful place of eternity with the Lord. So remember, there's others out there that need to be brought into the kingdom. Uh, Please pray for them. And remember, as Solomon wrote, God calls each of us to come and taste the fruits of our life with him. Bless you all. Well, I hope that encourages you hearing from how Valerie has been sharing the good news through online church. And I want to close by saying we all have an incredible opportunity over these next next three weeks to be doing exactly the same thing, sharing our faith by sharing the services that are online and so easy to invite someone to watch or share with someone online. Because for the next three weeks, as we said at the start, we've got the winter sessions with Dr. John Dixon. And I couldn't think of a better person to invite someone who's got doubts, who's on the edge, who's curious about the Christian faith, who may be sceptical even about the Christian faith, to come and to listen to someone who will explain with a depth, but also an ease and a simplicity, the great news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so as I finish, I just want to commend to you the winter sessions and be a part of what God is doing to get this wonderful good news about Jesus Christ out to this world and to reach the people that we know and love so that they will know the God who loves them and who has sent his son for them so that they might have eternal life and not perish. Amen and amen.